Welcome to The Accountant Quits, brought to you by Audit Chain, the world's first decentralized continuous audit and real-time reporting protocol. On this podcast, we discuss how blockchain will impact the accounting profession and how accountants should prepare themselves for the future of work. My name's Umar, your host, and even if some might refer to me as The Accountant Gone Rogue, My job is to provide you with the blockchain knowledge you need that will be relevant for the accounting industry as a whole. Welcome to episode 21 and the first episode of 2022. Right now is that time of the year when the taxman comes knocking on the door. If you're residing in a country where crypto tax laws are not, let's say, generous, having a tax strategy is just as important as having an investment strategy. If you're like most people, you will agree that crypto tax filing is a painful exercise. You have to compile your trading transactions from multiple exchanges, wallets, and be cognizant with the relevant tax laws. My guest today also faced the same agony years ago, but unlike most of us, he decided to take matters into his own hands. Today I have the pleasure to have Dennis Wolfhart, the CEO and founder of Accointing. Accointing is a tax optimizing platform, which allows you to track your crypto portfolio in real time and file your taxes, whether they are in the form of trading or income. In this episode, you will learn what gives rise to a taxable event trading crypto, strategies to optimize and minimize your tax liability, why using a crypto tax tracking software will make your life easier, how crypto as a source of income is taxed and much more. Dennis, welcome to the show and thanks for making the time to be here. Thanks a lot for the invite. Happy to be here with you. First of all, I just want to say that Accointing is a really good name. It's very original and catchy, I would say. <laughs> it, it, like it's a nice name, but it creates issues with Google. <laughs> all right, <laughs> yeah. Always autocorrects to accounting. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. All right. To start, could you share with our listeners uh, your background, how you became interested with blockchain and the story that led to founding Accointing? Because so I read you were previously a crypto trader before. So what, what didn't you like with the crypto tracking softwares at the time? Yeah, good question. So originally I studied mechanical engineering, so I come from a completely different field, but I love technology. And so I went into crypto in 2014, pretty deep with Bitcoin at the beginning, then in Ethereum and the different ICOs, obviously, that popped up, worked in different projects. And with all of this, I faced the tax man (laughs) in 2017 and 18. Back then, I, I was still living in Germany, and I had to actually report taxes for the past years back then. And I somehow also managed to do that, but it took a while because it was quite complex to consolidate everything around like all the things I did. I had multiple wallets, multiple exchanges. And back then there was only one tool really in the market that helped you to consolidate the data into one system. And I used that, but there were a few functionalities missing that I discovered during that time. And so we decided to go together, I decided to go together with a few other of my co-founders and we built Accointing as first a back, back-end solution for ourselves for Switzerland, US and Germany specific tax jurisdictions because we all came from these different areas. And so, yeah, after a year, we then decided to go public with it, built the 
bigger team around that. And now we're 160,000 users in a coin team and very happy to expand further. Wow. If we start the discussion with what constitutes a taxable event in crypto, investing and trading, let's say I bought some crypto and I'm holding that for investment purposes only. Will those price movements be subject to tax or is it only when I dispose of the asset and that I now have to calculate the capital gains and losses and these are taxable? So that really depends on your jurisdiction. For example, in the German market, when you buy crypto and you hold it for more than a year, it turns into a, like at least as a private investor, it turns into a tax-free position because everything that you hold for more than 12 months is just tax-free there. In the US, it is a little bit similar, but it doesn't turn into a completely tax-free. It just goes into a tax bracket with lower tax rates. And in the UK, for example, you have pooling and the 30-day rules where you basically have everything in a bigger pool. You have a shared price in that pool and you, when you dispose it, you create a taxable event compared to the like pool cost basis and the difference based on the current price and your pool price creates the taxable event. And on that taxable event or gain, you pay taxes on. And that's quite similar in every country. There are some scenarios which are very obvious that this would give rise to a taxable event. For example, I'm selling my crypto to fiat or I'm converting a crypto, let's say from Bitcoin to Ethereum, and that will be taxable. How about some other scenarios? For example, when I'm making a payment for products and services in crypto, for the sake of discussion, maybe if I can give an example like this, let's say I bought an Ethereum for $100 and it's now at $200. I have a payment of 0.5 ETH to make. What's the tax implication here? Do you treat it the same way as the other scenarios where I'm just selling my crypto into fiat or converting one crypto to another? So that also really depends. I mean, it's, it's a similar question that if you would, for example, go into, if you're a UK citizen and you go to the US and you would buy dollars and two weeks later you spend the dollars in theory you have a gain on them or a loss right depending on the exchange rate change i mean so there's a lot of like in, in a lot of jurisdictions or a lot of countries there's a rule where you actually don't pay taxes on a payment like if you use something to buy other goods you don't pay taxes on the gains but that really depends and in crypto this is always something depending on a country that people like kind of fight about it right because our German tax partners, they, for example, argue that for if you buy any goods with crypto, it's not creating a taxable event. There's other people in Germany, other CPAs that argue the opposite way, and they say it, it should be. And that really always depends. That's why it's very important to actually have all these transactions consolidated in a platform. And with a coin you can actually choose what you like what jurisdiction you are in, you can choose um, your, your tax rules based on, on the countries. And it's fully automated and also argued for with our tax partners. So you will find in the disclaimers for every country, an argument for every classification that you chose in your specific country, and why we consider it a taxable or not a taxable event. And so this makes it a little bit easier 
for the normal retail investor to not really care about it, but still like he, once everything is in the platform, once everything is classified, we do the argumentation for our clients. Yes, you're right. Like we spoke before starting the podcast, the tax treatments vary quite considerably between jurisdictions. There's no uniform approach until now. Some countries have opted for a very liberal approach where crypto is not really taxed, but it's not the same everywhere. I want to speak and elaborate on what you're doing at Accointing. So it can be a pretty daunting task for people, not only traders who, of course, trade on a daily basis, but regular investors who are frequently changing and rebalancing their crypto investment portfolio because these investments are not held on one exchange, but multiple exchanges. Also, people are trading on not only centralized exchanges, but DEXs. When it comes to crypto tax filing, the most important thing to consider for the taxpayer is to have their cost basis for the crypto being sold. Could you speak about how accounting helps the taxpayer to aggregate all those different cost bases of their trades? Yeah, that's a very good question. So accounting imports every historical transaction from all the exchanges and wallets the user used and send money to. So if you, for example, have a Binance account and a Coinbase account and maybe a MetaMask, Ethereum wallet, you just connect the API keys, which is basically just a key that allows us to go into your Binance account and have a read access on your entire history. We cannot trade with it. We cannot send any money with it. It's really just to get the historical data from the exchange for the specific user. And with that, we import the entire transaction history for all the trades and for all the transfers. And that's important because Let's say you bought a Bitcoin on Binance and then two weeks later, you send it to your Bittrex exchange and then you exchange it there for Ethereum and you send the Ethereum to your MetaMask and send back the MetaMask to your Binance account. There's a bigger cash flow event happening here and you have basically created your own ecosystem in the crypto world and to really keep track of all these movements and to not say that Like once you send something from Binance to your Coinbase wallet, it's an internal transaction where you still own the cryptocurrency that you send. So you don't want to create any sort of disposal or you don't want to, like you don't want the software or the, the tax government think that this is something you sold or you disposed because that would create a taxable event and destroy your cost basis. So it's very important to have this consolidated view inside of the platform And we help to automatically match all the transactions that go from your own wallet to your own other wallet or exchange as a so-called internal transaction. And that internal transaction moves the cost basis together with the Bitcoin you send from wallet one to wallet B. And that, that actually helps you to keep track of the entire cash flow and have a concrete average buy price. Because if you would only track your traders, like your, your trades on, on one exchange, And on the other, you would not have the correct cost basis and with that, the wrong average buy price because it would recognize a deposit with the date of like when the deposit happened and with the price of the deposit date. And that is not the price that you paid for that asset because you probably bought it two weeks before. And, and that's why to really bring everything into one platform is key 
to have a concrete overview of your average buy prices and to make better decisions at some point as well of which asset to sell, depending on how many gains it would create and with that, how many taxes you would pay on it. Evan, interesting follow-up questions uh, on what you just said. I didn't think about it, but so a coin thing is able to differentiate between internal transactions when, for, for instance, I'm transferring my crypto to another wallet, but how, how does it know it's my own wallet? For, for example, if I'm transferring this, like for if I'm making a payment and just transferring it to another wallet account, how would a coin thing know this is not my wallet account? Yeah. Also a very good question because you can obviously also import public addresses from other wallets that you don't own into a coin thing, right? The thing is, this, ob this would then create another value in your portfolio, first of all, that you don't own. And second of all, like a wallet usually doesn't have just a transfer from your wallet to another one, right? That would be the internal transaction. But usually those other wallets, they also transfer money out again. And so what this would create, it would create multiple withdrawals from that wallet without the concrete classification and without like without the place where you send those to. So it would just create a completely wrong overview of your transactions and your portfolio. And it would also create a completely like wrong overview for for basically the proof of ownership, right? Because you you use someone else's wallet where you cannot control inflow and outflow of the different assets. So sure, you can fake everything. It's just at some point not really usable anymore because like once a transaction goes out of this other wallet, it completely destroys your portfolio overview. And um, so you have the wrong data. All right, got it. When we speak of the cost basis, so I noted that the different methods out there to calculate your cost basis are the FIFO and the LIFO method. So the first thing first out, uh, for example, who are, for people who are not familiar with it, FIFO, for example, would take the cost price of the first Bitcoin I sold when I'm disposing of those of that Bitcoin. So actually, in essence, maybe if I bought it like in 2010 or a bit after, it would create a larger taxable gain. I want to ask you, how does this work? Does the jurisdiction prescribe the cost basis that has to be used for calculating crypto gains tax? How does it work in practice? Or does the taxpayer has the freedom to choose which cost basis to apply? Yeah, in most countries, you can actually choose which one you want to apply for your specific situation, but you usually have to keep the same method for the entire year. So that's just um, a lot of like a lot of the countries have that rule. In the UK, you have to use pooling and the 30 day rule. So you cannot use FIFO or LIFO. And like you said, with with the average buy price, there's really not one answer to satisfy everyone <laughs> because there's people that like if you calculate your average buy price using first in first out at FIFO, you do it in a con correct accounting way. Like you account for it in, in a real bookkeeping manner, right? You have the concrete regulations behind that. But maybe as a trader, you think differently about that because you want to have a moving average on your on your average buy price. Like you want to have everything in one pool. And once you put another Bitcoin in, 
you 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 change the pool, so to say, for your average in your Bitcoin cost basis. That's more on the trader side if you kind of want to make decisions like this. But the accounting side of things, like usually uses FIFO, LIFO, HIFO, or like the UK specific pooling. And the cool thing about this is with if you use FIFO, you can even choose in most of the countries if you want to dispose the Bitcoin you bought 10 years ago on like and you now have on your Bitcoin wallet, or if you want to use the Bitcoin that you have on your Coinbase wallet. And we call that um, multiple depot tracking. So with a coin you can actually switch. You can either look at your entire ecosystem at once, and that's the single depot. So you basically look at the oldest cost basis coin that you have, and that would be in this scenario, the 10-year-old one. That would be multi, like single depot overall view. Or you choose the multiple depot overview where you can actually go and say, like, I want to, like, if I sell a Bitcoin and I sell the one that is on Coinbase, actually sell that, it uses the cost basis from the Bitcoin you bought a week ago on Coinbase instead of using the old one from your Bitcoin wallet. So it really differentiates per depot. And that's why, again, with the internals and the full ecosystem cash flow overview, you have a lot of tax optimization opportunities as well, which makes it very interesting, especially towards end of the year or when there are some, some downtimes in the market, like we see now when the price drops 45%, you can actually use that kind of taxless harvest or even like decide to sell the ones you bought in November if you want to kind, kind of like to reallocate your portfolio into, I don't know, layer ones or something else. Next, I want to move on to speak about the different strategies for individuals to minimize or rather optimize their tax liability. You mentioned tax loss harvesting. So could you further elaborate on what tax loss harvesting is and maybe provide an example of where this could be beneficial? Let's say you have one Bitcoin in your, like you have two Bitcoin in your portfolio and one Bitcoin you bought for a price of $70,000. The other Bitcoin you bought for a price of $40,000. And the current Bitcoin price is at $42,000. So if you now want to reallocate your portfolio, and instead of having two Bitcoin, and like with that being 100% in one asset, you want to switch to 50% Bitcoin, 50% Ethereum. You can, with the correct tax loss, like with the correct tool to actually plan your trades, you can choose which of the two Bitcoin you want to use to reallocate into Ethereum. Let's say you do that in December of 2021. You don't have a lot of gains yet in the year. And so you want to keep it like this because you have some other income and you don't want to go into the next tax bracket. Then it actually makes sense to use the Bitcoin that you bought for 70,000 that is on Coinbase, for example, to buy the Ethereum. And with that, create even a loss or don't create a lot of gains that you would have to pay taxes on. So that really also depends on the use case because some other use cases could be like this year, you didn't have a lot of income. Maybe you all already realized a lot of losses with some other trades you made in, in the last months. So now you have a lot of like negative like or like losses that, that you cannot carry over to the next year. So let's say you have $30,000 in losses and you can only carry over $3,000, as an example, into the next tax year, 
you have $27,000 that you can still fill up in December of 2021. So you want to choose a Bitcoin to sell that would create a gain because you don't want to miss out on that um, opportunity to come to zero gains, right? Because the 27,000 in losses, like usually you cannot use that to subtract from any stock gains or anything like this. So you would just lose the losses. You kind of pay for the losses and don't use them to subtract them from gains. So those tools are very flexible. It's not only to, like most people see it as, I want to pay as little taxes as possible, but sometimes you even want to realize gains and you want to kind of like optimize it like that. And that makes it very flexible. And with, with the accounting tax trading optimizer, you have an overview of every single asset and you have an overview of every single asset per wallet and exchange. So you can really deep dive into every single wallet and see for Bitcoin, how many Bitcoin are currently in losses, how many are in gains, how many are older than a year, how many are younger than a year. And with that, you can choose which one on from which exchange or wallet to sell for your specific situation. Yeah, I think it would be impossible. Uh, I mean, it's very difficult, I would say, to keep track of uh, those transactions. Otherwise, if you don't have this comprehensive overview of what, for example, accounting is doing, so if I stay on accounting and for people who are interested to make use of the platform, could you provide us with a walkthrough of for an individual to register on accounting and to and the process to file their taxes? Like in some in some steps, how will it look like? The the amount of time it takes and also people from which jurisdiction will be able to use the platform. Yeah. So first accounting is built in a way that everyone from every jurisdiction can use the portfolio tracker. So you can just import your entire exchange history, your entire um, wallet history, connect everything to accounting and see your average buy prices, see your portfolio calculations and everything around this. But it's specifically currently built for tax solutions in uh, the US, UK, Germany, Australia, Switzerland and Austria. And when I say tax-specific regulations, it's really built for the country together with BDO. So we partnered with BDO in all of these countries to really deep dive into the country-specific jurisdiction rules. That means each classification is specifically set so that it's, it creates the correct taxable income or not taxable income or capital gains tax. And also all the combinations of the classifications create that specific taxable outcome. So that's just as a base. And to answer your question, it's really simple. So you sign up with to accounting, you don't have to provide any personal information, we don't require this because we are only the part that creates the taxable element for your cryptocurrencies that you then have to hand in to a TurboTax or to any other like tax filing software you use to file your personal taxes. So we're only covering the crypto part. And so you sign up, um, with a fake email, with a real email, whatever you feel more comfortable with. Once you sign up, you see an import field. So you just search for the exchange you want to connect. And when you find Binance, for example, there's a description of the API key, how you find it and how you set it up in Binance. And it, it explicitly says that it's a read only and you can choose that it can, then we can only read the historical files, which is very important just to make you feel more safe, right? To of using it. 
once you click connect, we import the entire history. And you will see that soon then a, a few minutes later, depending on the exchange, sometimes a few seconds in the full data set. And you have your entire history, all the 10,000 trades you ever did for all the wallets and exchanges you connected, you have in our full data set. And so that's with that, you have the base setup done. Accounting then automatically connects all the internals um, and all the, the things that we can automatically read from the blockchain or from the exchanges. And then there is a few classifications Maybe if you paid a service, we don't and we don't know that from the blockchain, you have to then just create some classifications on it. And after you have done that, you have a full overview of everything you did, and you can then create the tax, the tax document for your specific country. If you're not out of one of those seven, uh, six countries that I mentioned, you can still create a report. It's a generic report with base settings, and they're described in the report as well. But it's obviously not made specifically for the other country so that that's the only difference but you can still use it when you say made specifically for one country what does that mean for example you already sort of calculate the tax liability from that the taxpayer would have to submit to the tax authority yes so what we do is we create the single input fields that you need in your like real tax filing document. So if you have three input fields, for example, in the German filing document, we create exactly those three elements and you just have to copy and paste them into the filing document. If you do that in a country, for example, Canada, that we currently don't support, but will soon support, you will find a generic report with the taxable like with all the gains, with all the losses, with the income statements, the staking statements, and so on. And so you have to choose which one to put where. So that's the, that's the base difference of the country-specific things. Plus, obviously, in all these countries, like a combination of, for example, you receive an airdrop and you dispose it as a payment, it has a different taxable consequence depending on the jurisdiction. So those things then have a standard setting and if you want to change that, then like you have to do that manually. And you like we don't provide you the default setting for countries we don't support automatically. So you just have to go deeper and do more research by yourself. But you can still use the tool. It's just not verified in that way from our partners in the different jurisdictions. All right, got it. Next, I want to speak about tax on income with crypto. But before, there's a question I forgot to ask you after speaking about tax loss harvesting. I wanted to ask whether there are some other strategies for that taxpayers should be aware of in order to minimize their tax lab, their tax bill, for example, maybe some which are common practice. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> obviously, tax loss harvesting and tax optimized trading are the ones that are used the most because it's the most like it's the easiest one. Once you have the data imported, it's the easiest one to actually do that. There's other strategies. You can move to another country. Like <laughs> if you're maybe not a, like a part of the double taxation from the US, you can move to another country to avoid like paying taxes in, in, in this one. Portugal, for example, a lot of people go there. Dubai, a lot of people move. So that's obviously something that happens more and more. In some countries, you can set up like legal entities to reduce some of it. In most of the countries, that's not something that actually helps you too much. But depending on your setup, like if you do a lot of mining, 
you can then use the mining costs to reduce the taxes again once you have an entity set up. So that really also depends on, on the jurisdiction again. And if you're like a professional trader, you can also like, and, and you have some specific losses you made and you want to carry them over, it can help to actually use an entity to carry over more from the years before. So there's like a, a lot of different ways to do it. In the UK, for example, with the 30 day bed and breakfast rule, it makes it a little bit harder to actually figure out a nice system that you cannot cheat that easy because like once you sell something and you buy it back within 30 days, like it uses that cost basis for the buyback. So you actually have to be very sure what the market is doing before you try to optimize something there. Obviously, in the other countries, there's wash, wash sale rules. So if you just sell a Bitcoin and you buy it back immediately, just to realize the loss, that's something you have to like, be aware of and shouldn't do too much there, right? Because it would be considered wash sale as a wash sale in a lot of the countries. So there's, it's very complex, but we made it, I think we made it quite easy with, with the guidance we give you. And if, if someone has questions or want to deep dive into those jurisdiction specific options, we have a lot of resources in our hub. So people can just go to our blog and, and deep dive into it. Perfect. I'll include those in the show notes of the podcast as well. Before we continue, we'll take a quick commercial break from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Audit Chain, the world's first decentralized continuous audit and real-time reporting protocol. Some of you listening might be aware that I previously used to be an external auditor. Now, traditional audit methodology focuses on materiality and not accuracy. We are constrained by time and cannot audit 100% of the transactions and therefore we perform sampling. But the emerging technology of blockchain is here to disrupt the profession and solve the pain points of audit. Audit Chain decentralizes audit and uses an independent assurance methodology that automates auditing tasks and continuously audits 100% of the transactions. With more and more automation, accountants will increasingly find themselves becoming redundant. If you're a forward-thinking CPA or chartered accountant and want to participate and be in touch with the latest developments from Audit Chain in decentralizing the audit profession, you should apply for membership by visiting the DCARB Alliance Association at dcarb.org join. So, so far we've mostly spoken of capital gains tax, so the tax that you're liable to when you've sold your crypto. So now I want to speak a bit about the implications of earning in crypto. And this could be very relevant for freelancers like myself. So there can be different situations where you're earning in crypto. Let's say you're earning your salary or you're billing your clients as a freelancer in crypto. Is this form of income tax like regular income in fiat? Yes. So you would basically need to you can use accounting for that once you receive the payment as and you classify it as income you will find in the tax report a statement income statement and you see i mean we have hourly data in the history so every time you receive a payment you will see the conversion into us dollars or pounds or euros depending on your country settings on that specific hour and with that you you have your income right and so you obviously have to pay income tax on that cannot really go around this. The very yeah. important part here, though, is that if you receive that in USDT or in any 
sort of stable coin that is like quite stable from exchange rates, um, like compared to your country's standard currency, it's okay. But if you receive a token as a payment, you should always be very careful because there. I know people and I know many situations where people got tokens back in 2017, 18, when the market was at the highest point, they got the tokens and they didn't sell them immediately. So they kind of like created a, a huge income tax, but like lost all the money because the market went down. And so they didn't realize the income in dollars or in euros and kept it in the currency. And it took now three years to recover. And so they obviously went into a debt. And so you have to be very careful with the cost basis on your regular income to not go into any tax liabilities that you didn't foresee. This maybe would be an obvious question, but let's say you're receiving it in Ethereum. So you would have to convert that Ethereum at the time of payment rather than at the time of filing, right? Of course. Yes, exactly. Okay. And accounting does that automatically. So you, you can just classify it as income and you will find the separate income statement for all the different income you received during the year on the specific hour. So that makes it way easier. All right. And how about the other sources of income? Let's speak a bit about, I know this will differ by jurisdiction, yep. but when we speak of staking income, when we speak of yield farming, or how are these tackled by accounting as well? Yes, they are. So if you, re, if you do any sort of staking on exchanges or on wallets, we track every staking reward you earn. And in most countries, staking is a taxable income. So you just, same as mining. So um, you just find another income statement of all your staking incomes summarized by the asset at the end of the year. But we use, we also have a bigger table like in, in like further down in the report that actually shows you every single deposit of a staking of staking income you received converted from that specific hour again into US dollars or euros or any other currency. And so the very important part here is that, for example, Germany started to create new rules around staking. It's not fully finalized yet, but they claim or the, what they want is that if you use tokens to stake, they want to change the holding period to 10 years. That means the, the tokens will not become a tax-free asset after holding after holding them one year, they will come become a tax-free asset after holding them for 10 years. So there's obviously a lot of implications depending on that. And if you just stake with a token that cre creates a very small amount of staking rewards, you should always consider if it's really worth to destroy your tax-free statement in the tokens before you actually do stake it. But it, in the US, it's different, for example. So that really needs to, like everyone needs to really deep dive into the documents we have provided on the accounting side. All right. Recently, I've been trying to get involved with some DAOs. And one of the DAOs I've joined is Cabin DAO. The reason I found their vision compelling is because Cabin DAO is experimenting with the idea of building decentralized cities and having different physical nodes, which are actually owned and operated by a small group of independent online creators and entrepreneurs. 
So I was mm-hmm. speaking with some of the group members and mentioning that I'm recording an episode with Acquainting and they had some very interesting questions. One of them was how to decide when a token earned is income. So if you're contributing in a DAO, sometimes you can choose what portions of the income is in fiat or in the native token of the, of the project. So mm-hmm. let's say you've received some of those tokens. Do you have to convert them into fiat for your tax? You have to, or rather, yeah. Or what if you don't want to do that and you want to keep them, keep that token and not convert it? So there's two things you need to take a look at here. First, like for the taxes in the background, it always converts the token into your local currency. So either like you don't have to swap it into US dollars or USDT or anything like this. For the taxes, if it's considered income, it always converts like on the hourly price into the specific localized currency. And the second question here is, like you said, is it a taxable income or is it not a taxable income? And like one rule there that a lot of the countries actually kind of apply is, did you do something for it? Like, do, did you have to do something for it to earn these tokens? Or is it more considered like you're just there and they distribute it as a marketing gag or it's a gift or an airdrop, then it could be considered like a tax-free event. But um, most of the times, if you actually had to do something for it, if you don't, like if you have to contribute something to receive the token, then a lot of the times it's considered taxable income. Next is, I have a very specific question, but when I work on these DAOs, I do spend a lot of time in meetings or in understanding policies which are not compensated for. Could I deduct that time if I calculate that time in uh, in euros per hour and deduct them as a business expense? Have Have you come across this before? That's a very good question. I guess we would need to deep dive into this with our tax partners and tax yeah. experts. Happy to do that, though. Like, sure. I'm happy to, to get on another call maybe with our tax experts per country and maybe even together with, with the DAO creators to see like, uh, how we can deep dive in and, and argue around this. It's going to be very interesting because a lot of this is not regulated yet. So it's going to be very interesting to see... Um, the regulators really deep dive into the DAO situation. I'm sure they'll be very happy to hop on a call together. Yeah, it will be nice. All right. Now, I want to speak a bit about the countries who have enacted some very different tax laws. So you mentioned uh, countries like Portugal, Switzerland, Singapore have adopted a very liberal approach where capital gains are exempt from tax. Now, as the rate of adoption of crypto grows, how do you see how do you foresee rather the tax landscape evolving with crypto? Will people, do you think people will be moving to those friendly jurisdictions to minimize their tax liability, which the growing generation, the younger generation, this may comprise the only category of investment so far. Yeah. So I think there's sure there's the short-term effect of people moving around, but people don't want to change their life for money in the long term. I mean, and that doesn't also make sense because you shouldn't move just because of money reasons. You should live where you where you feel most comfortable. And that's why I don't think that too many people will move into these countries. Obviously, a lot of the countries use that to attract 
first of all, money, investors, and especially young people with money, right? To kind of like build the city, build like a nice vibe in the city to kind of bring life to it. But long-term speaking, I strongly believe that for cryptocurrencies to be fully adopted and to grow into global financial ecosystem and global financial like world and be a big part and and an important asset in it, it needs to have very clear regulations across the world that are also easy to use. Like if some of the countries go and try to fit the cryptocurrencies into their old systems that they kind of like regulated 50 years ago, it won't work. So they need to hopefully be a little bit more macro, zoom out a little bit and rethink their overall regulations to create new ones and not try to fit crypto and force it into old systems. And for me, and also for the entire accounting team, we believe that crypto will grow like faster in the future. It will have more adoption, but only if the regulations are in place and if there's tools to actually help people to be compliant. And that's why we said that's our contribution to the market. And we want to help the market by building a tool that makes it easy for investors to be compliant, to be on the legal side of things and to not worry about taxes and just use crypto and accounting does the compliance stuff for you. That's, that's the main goal. Yeah, I agree. And coming back to accounting, what are some of the biggest challenges that you face right now for adoption? Yeah, maybe not everyone are filing their crypto taxes. Uh, and actually, like maybe two percent or so of the people that should file actually file. So it's like the adoption is growing a lot, especially because the governments push for it. Like the UK is sending out letters again, getting new Coinbase data from people that have more than 5,000 pounds in Coinbase. So it definitely grows, but you have to, you have to think about the crypto market as like something like the internet in the 2000s. Like everything moves very fast. Every day there's new systems coming into the market, new technologies. And for us, the biggest challenge is actually to keep up with it because our users are experimental, right? They want to try out everything. And then they realize, oh, like, This is something that like maybe this existed for like a few months and then people realize that this technology doesn't make sense for this use case. So they abandon it again. Again, still you have this part of your, like this part of your history that you need to somehow consolidate. And if we would focus on all of these things, we will never catch up with like what is currently important in the market, right? So we need to really focus on like the 80% of the people and 80% of the technology that is currently there. And we think that we'll stay here and import this and be able to track and create taxes for this part, instead of going after every single small side effect that is happening. And that's a big challenge, especially also with the exchanges changing all their historical files all the time. Like Binance, we have to ch- like touch every second week because they change something in the API response. And so obviously people think it's accounting's fault because Binance is that big exchange that that works well, right? But actually they change a lot. They change IDs in the transaction histories and then we get duplicates. So we need to always try to catch up with these changes. And that's currently our biggest challenge because there's no standard. And we're trying to help to create that standard, but this just takes a, a little bit of time. 
for people who are trying to get away from taxes and I want to speak from this perspective. Trading in crypto is largely pseudonymous. You're trading, trading on DEXs. No one knows about your identity. You've perhaps taken your funds out of a centralized exchanges into the DEXs. You've seen your portfolio 10x, for example. And now you're thinking, do I really have to file, uh, declare those income? What I want to ask you is what risk are these people facing when they do not want to? declare all those income uh, that all those gains that they've made on those off those centralized exchanges for example yeah i mean at some point people still want to interact with the normal world usually so if they want to buy a car or a house at some point they need to prove where the funds came from and also the governments will be able to track more. I mean, there's chain analysis, there's all these different tools that actually help the governments to go deeper into the into the like movements of people in crypto. And if you ever use the Coinbase and send money from a Coinbase to an Ethereum wallet into a liquidity pool back, and then you still use it on an Ethereum wallet that is connected to your ecosystem, at some point they will figure it out. And for example, in Germany, they can go back 10 years to still like kind of apply tax fraud um, to a private um, person. So you don't want to take the risk. I mean, at least for me, I wouldn't sleep that well if I would know that I committed tax fraud and have to wait 10 years to be clean again. And obviously also at some point you want to use that because you want to buy a house maybe for your family or something else, right? So you need to have these records. Otherwise the banks will not accept the money anymore. This starts to happen more and more now that banks actually decline payouts from crypto to the bank account because they don't know where the funds come from. And so you need some sort of proof of ownership reports and proof of ownership like recordings in your system. And there are still these like a few percent of the people that say, I will always stay in crypto and I don't need that. And that's fine. Like they can do that. It just, it's just a matter of do you sleep at night and or like what what's more important for you? A good night's sleep or a little bit more money? <laughs> like that really depends. Next is, uh, and it's a recurring theme on this podcast, is to speak about different career opportunities. You've been in this, in this space for a long time now. Yep. What are some of the emerging career opportunities that you've noticed so far with Web3 in general? And are there some skills and knowledge lacking today in crypto that people could tap in? Yes. Yeah, so there is actually a lot of opportunities in technology, PM, and especially in technology, actually, because a lot of people start to go into the crypto space with smart contract calculation or like smart contract creation or anything like this that actually never coded before. So there's a, another way to enter the tech space without having studied it. And I think that's a very interesting new career option for a lot of the people to really deep dive into this because you just have to be very interested, especially in the crypto space, because everything is new. If you're, you can become an expert in this area just by deep diving now and going with the market. So that's something that is not possible in an old, like in an old industry, right? Where you have a lot of these experts that studied it for the last 20 years. And this here is so new that everyone has the chance to be part of that. All right, Dennis. So we coming to the end of the podcast. And before we go, I want to ask you as closing thoughts, do you have anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today? 
Yeah. So first of all, thanks a lot for having me. It was was great to talk to you about this topic and always happy to come back. I think one thing that I just want to make sure that everyone understands is that crypto is not a, like crypto taxes are not a bad thing. Taxes are part of the society and are important. And I know like everyone says that and like if you then have to pay it by yourself, you don't like you always want to reduce it at some point. But it's just part of it. It's part of the development. And it actually means that governments accept cryptocurrencies, like all the new rules that are coming out in the US or in any other countries. It just means the governments actually take it serious, think about it, try to apply it to their systems and see it as something that is there to stay. So it's not something that we should just push away and say, like, I don't want to pay taxes. I don't want to talk about this. It's, it's something that actually makes it more mature and actually allows it to grow even further. And we all want crypto to be that fully accepted global financial system. And we have to just accept that there's rules in this world. And with acquainting or with any of the other tools in the market, you can make your life easier by just importing it for free, using the mobile app to keep track of it. You want to do that anyways, and then be prepared at some point when someone asks you for that data. So like, basically, in a summary, don't be afraid of it. Just try it out. And if you have any questions, reach out to our teams and we're happy to help. I completely agree. It's a fasc fascinating discussion, but due to the time constraint, I mean, we can do part two at some point in the future and uh, keep talking about because this is an evolving tax landscape. There's a last question which I usually ask to my guests is, do you have a quote or a maxim that you live by? Oh, I mean, I always, in, in, the, in the crypto like, development space, I would say, like everything I do develop and I push for is something that I believe and that I would use by myself. I think that's the most important part for any sort of company development or product development. So that's why I would, I would go with that. <laughs> All right. Perfect. I love it. All right, uh, Dennis, thanks a lot for today, for coming in today. I've learned a lot and I've really enjoyed speaking to you. If people want to reach out to you, how can they do so? So I'm on Twitter and um, in our Telegram channels, just acquainting Telegram directly on the website supported acquainting but yeah just shoot me a direct message on twitter or just join our telegram i think that's the easiest all right perfect i'll include all those perfect thanks a lot thanks a lot for coming today dennis we'll speak soon i would like to thank everyone for listening to this episode you will find all the links of the episode show notes and transcript on the website of the accountant quits at theaccountantquits.com Please note that this content is for general information purposes only and is not a substitute for consultation with professional advisors. If you do know anyone who could benefit from the episode and you care about them, please do share the episode with them. All the episodes are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts and by leaving us a review and rating, you will support the channel and all your fellow accountants. In order to be notified each time we release a new episode, do follow us on Instagram and LinkedIn. We hope to have you with us next time. Bye for now.